Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. This is episode number 1,190 with New York Times bestselling author, Lori Gottlieb. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Welcome back, my friend. Today's guest is Lori Gottlieb. She is a psychotherapist, podcast host, and New York Times bestselling author of Maybe You Should Talk to Someone, which has sold over a million copies and is currently being adopted as a television series for ABC. And she's released an incredible new workbook that serves as a companion to her best-selling book called Maybe You Should Talk to Someone Workbook, a toolkit for editing your story and changing your life. And you guys loved the last time I had Lori on, so we wanted to bring her back on for some incredible more content. And in this episode, we discuss why it's so difficult to find love today, how to better understand the partner you're with currently, how to break unhealthy cycles from your childhood, and this has been something I've been practicing for years, so it's so powerful, the main traits of a narcissist and what to look out for, the common myths around how to truly forgive someone, and so much more. This is a powerful episode. So at any moment, if you're enjoying this, make sure to share this with a friend or post it over on your social media. Tag me and Lori as well. And this is such a powerful interview that we do that I wanted to break it up into two parts and really go over two different topics that we discussed. So this is part one. We'll cover part two later this week. And I want to give a shout out to the fan of the week for the School of Greatness from Kay Barre who says, The School of Greatness is my go-to podcast for drives, cardio, morning routines, cleaning up around the house, and listening has pulled me out of those slumps that we can find ourselves in. Listening has jump-started my ideas in my mind that I don't think I would have thought of if I didn't listen. And overall, this podcast has bettered my mindset in relationships, health, and motivation, just about everything. Thank you for creating this show. So thank you for being the fan of the week and for leaving us a review. And if at any moment you're inspired by this current episode, please subscribe and leave a review over on Apple Podcast right now for your chance to be shouted out as a fan of the week as well. Okay, in just a moment, the one and only Lori Gottlieb. Welcome back, everyone, to the School of Greatness. I'm very excited. We've got an incredible guest, Lori Gottlieb, in the house. So good to see you. So good to see you again, Glad too. you're back. Yeah. Uh, the last interview we did uh, where we were talking about your book, Maybe You Should Talk to Someone, um, has, has helped so many people that we wanted to have you come back and talk about relationships. And I feel like you've been, um, you've been helping married couples and, and singles try to find love and also just rework their marriages and their relationships and have harmony and peace and love in their relationships for well over a decade now. Um, you've got an amazing podcast, Dear Therapist, with another friend of mine, Guy Winch, and you guys help people in this as well. And I wanted to ask you, uh, we were just talking for the last 15 minutes off camera about this. I feel like we should have just recorded that already. But I wanted to ask you about why you think it's so hard for just for people to find a partner today 
in this climate, it seems like it's hard for people to find a great partner. Yeah. And then why is it hard to stay in a healthy, you know, thriving relationship when it just seems like so complicated and challenging for men and women or individuals coming together to be in a happy relationship? I think it is complicated because no one teaches us how to love and be loved. Mm -hmm. So you either get that modeling growing up or sometimes you don't get the best modeling growing up. But people don't really talk about it in the way that I think people would need. And so I think one of the problems is that people both want closeness and they mm. fear closeness at the exact same time. Right. And so people kind of walk on that tightrope and a lot of people get tangled up in that paradox. Why do we want it so bad and what is the thing we fear about it so much? Well, the thing we fear is is that it's going to wound us, right? Yes. So, I mean, love has the power to wound, but it also has the power to heal. Mm. So that's why we have that paradox, mm -hmm. because we want it, but we're a little bit afraid of what might happen. And by the way, if you sign up for this, you will get hurt. That just, that's just part of the deal. Even with someone who really cares about you, even in a really loving relationship, at times, you will hurt each other. Why? But then, why? how do you repair it? Uh, well, know? is there a way to get into a relationship without hurting each other? Um, no, because people are human. <laughs> right. And you know, when I'm talking about hurting, there's different degrees of hurting. You know, hurting could be you didn't understand me and I felt really hurt by that. Mm -hmm. Right? Hurting could be something much more, you know, deleterious. Physical right? or this or that, manipulative. Right. Yeah, or, yeah. So, so there's something, those are very different things. Yeah. Um, you know, but I think, I think what happens is people need to learn what we call rupture and repair. Mm. So there's a rupture, something happens between you, and then how do you repair it? There will always be ruptures. Really? Um, and, and so, you know, how do you, how do you guys repair it together? That's the biggest predictor of whether a relationship is going to be successful and people are going to be happy in it. Your ability to repair. To repair with each other. Yeah. What is, um, okay, first off, how do we get to a place where we have less ruptures? <laughs> <laughs> to where it's like once a year, once every six months, as opposed to like every other day, a little micro rupture. Is that even possible? Yeah, so I, I think that the, the reason that people have ruptures is because they, they don't feel like they under they are understood. Okay. Um, I remember one of the most formative things that happened for me was very early on when I started seeing couples. I had this couple come in and I remember that they were there's a lot of tension between them. And the woman said to her husband, she said, You know what three words I really want to hear from you? And he said, what do you think? I love you. I love you, right? And she said, no, the three words I want to hear are, I understand you. Mm. And I just sort of sat there in my wow. seat and thought, wow, I understand you. That understanding someone is a way of showing love. Really? Making the effort to really listen to them, to hear their point of view. And this is where, as a couples therapist, the idea of separate realities comes in. Okay, tell so me more. Separate realities is... We have to acknowledge that you are going to view things through your own lens, and both of them are right. Mm -hmm. Both of them are valid. And where people get into trouble is they try to convince the other person that their reality is right. Uh, yes. So you see this, for example, take an example of a parent and an adult child. And you have the parent who, you know, the adult child comes to them and says, I feel like you really favored my sibling growing mm. up. And the parent says, that's not true. We love you both equally. We were there for you. And they hear it as an accusation. So you have a choice in that moment. You can say, okay, I'm going to defend myself against this accusation. And what the parent hears is you were a bad parent. That's not mm. what the kid is saying. The kid is saying... Um, you weren't there for me in the ways that I needed you to be sometimes. Yes, sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. 
it's not black or white. It's right. not all or nothing. It's not good or bad. It just is in that messy middle. Right. And so you can say, I'm going to try to understand your reality, even though there's a gap between my what I intended and what you experienced. Mm. That's okay that there's a gap. Right. So where romantic couples get into it is the same thing. There's a gap between my intention oh my and your experience of me. Right. And I'm going to make you believe that my intention trumps your experience of me. <laughs> right, but my intention was good. I meant to say it this right. way. I meant for you to be understood. But the other person's like, well, that's not what I felt. Well, what happens is, so so you see this in therapy, right? So somebody says, well, well, that's not what I intended. And I will say to them, it doesn't matter that that's what you intended. It did. It had that effect. Right. right? So how does someone change their way of being or their intention or their actions so that the other person feels accepted or heard or seen or understood or loved in that moment? Mm -hmm. I think the question we don't ask ourselves enough is how is what I'm about to do or say going to be experienced by the person I love? Man, you really got to get into the head and the, the heart of the other person with how you just interact in that sphere of influence, right? Right. And I think people say, oh, that's so much work and it shouldn't be that, that hard and that's too much effort. But once you start to, going back to I understand you, once you start to understand them, it becomes very easy. Mm. You see, it's kind of like they are giving you their owner's manual. They are giving mm. you the operating instructions. But if you don't read it, then you're going to keep making the same mistakes right, over right. and over. They're saying, here, let me tell you what happens for me when you do that. Let me tell you what happens for me when you say that. And if you ignore the operating instructions, mm. you're going to keep getting into accidents. What if the operating instructions is completely against who you are? Like you're, I don't know, let's just say your love language is you like giving physical touch, but the other person likes receiving gifts or acts of service, for an example. And you're like, this is draining for me to do this thing that the person wants or feels loved by. It feels like so much effort and work. Is there a way to make it so that your strength is actually something they love? Yeah. Well, let's let's turn this around. So mm -hmm. if, if your partner said to you, it's too draining for me to actually love you in the way you like to be loved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds crazy. Right? It sounds it's not, too draining for yeah. me to make the effort to show you love in the way that makes you feel good. Right. Yeah, it sounds. That's, you know, th there was an episode on our podcast. We have this podcast called Dear Therapists where we do actual sessions with people. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, we give them homework where they have to try out the advice and they report back within a week. And so you can see because we want people to see that actually even one conversation can help you make real shifts in your perspective. And so we had this mother and daughter on and the mother, this was during COVID, and the, the mother like brought over, the, she said like, I have all these homemade masks and I'm going to bring them to you. And the daughter said, I really don't want those. And what does the mother do? She brings, brings over the mask and she's like, I'm showing that I care about you. I want to keep you safe. And this is a way for me to show that I care about you. And she's like, and I also brought over cookies for the kids and I brought all over these other things. And the one thing you picked out was that I brought the masks. And that was a loving gesture. And the daughter's like, no, it actually was not a loving gesture because I told you specifically, I don't want that. Mm -hmm. So why do we have such a hard time listening to people when they tell us exactly how they want to be loved? It's not that hard to not bring the masks. Right. Then why do we do it? Is it because we feel like we, that's how we want to live our lives or why do we do those things? 
Right, because we aren't, we're paying attention to our needs and we're not uh. paying attention to the other person's needs. And this is the primary problem in most relationships, whether they're romantic relationships, mm. friendships, siblings, work, whatever it is, um, is that people think about the me or the you. Like, am I the problem? Are you the problem? As opposed to, we have a problem, the us, right? We have a problem. I had this, I had this couple mm. in therapy, um, he had had an affair and they both wanted to repair the marriage. Okay. So they were both interested in that. So there was a rupture. There was a rupture and, and both, a big rupture, right? Yeah, yeah. Affairs are, are these incredibly painful betrayals. And he was all in in wanting to repair this. And he took ownership. He said, I'm sorry, I did, want to make this work. He did. She said, okay, I want to figure out how to, how to accept this apology and forgive and move on as I well. I want to figure out what, what do we do? Is it, who are we as a couple now? What does mm -hmm. this mean? How do we move forward? Mm -hmm. And he was not a person who was used to opening up. And a lot of men experience this. They don't know how to be vulnerable. Yes. They're afraid to be vulnerable. And so many men will come in, by the way, to my practice, and they'll say, I've never told anyone this of before. Course. They've literally never told anyone. Women come in, they say, I've never told anyone this before, except for my mother, my sister, my best <laughs> friend, right? So they feel like they haven't told anyone, mm -hmm. but they actually have. So he's, he opens up for the first time, and he says, it was almost like a whisper. He could barely say it, and he said, I'm so lonely. Wow, in and the relationship. Was, in the relationship, just in general. Like he didn't even know, just I'm lonely. Wow. He's not blaming her for the loneliness, by the way. Right. He's just saying, I'm so lonely. Wow. And it was almost like he had gone in, ripped his heart out, extended it to her on an outstretched hand, and here's his heart sitting there. And she says, I feel exactly the same way. Wow. And I thought, oh, there's this bridge. There's this bridge now between them, right? But then she adds, but I didn't do what you did. Right? Ooh, In other words, stare. I was lonely too, but I didn't cheat. I'm a better person. Right. And what I said to them was, I said, listen, you can go to this place of who's morally superior. Um, who's right and wrong. And who's more injured, right? Um, you I can suffered go to, more than you did. I, yeah. I, I'm the victim here. You can go to the place of like casting someone, you can cast each other in a role of who's the villain and who's the victim. Or you can say, it's not a him problem or a me problem, it's an us problem. Our, there's a loneliness in our relationship and how do we as a team deal with it? Because we both, we have the problem in the relationship. Relationships are like biospheres. Mm -hmm. They're like ecosystems. So what you put into the relationship is the air that you're both breathing. Someone says like, oh yeah, I, I yelled in the relationship, but you know, but she like iced me out. It's like, look at the environment. Look at the toxic air that you're both breathing. If you yell, she'll ice you out. Mm -hmm. If you ice him out, he's gonna yell, right? right. right? Like this is, the, this is the air. You can't put, toxic, put toxicity out there and then expect that things are going to be okay, that right. things are gonna be healthy. Right, so how, <clears throat> what was the homework for that couple on how to repair and what was the prescription, I guess, the therapeutic prescription? Yeah. Well, for them, it was it was really looking at the relationship from the us perspective mm -hmm. is we have an issue that we're trying to solve. We want to solve this loneliness thing in our marriage. People think people are so self-interested in relationships without realizing it. And we all do this. Um, you know, we think like in the moment, I'm going to do this thing. Right. And we don't think about how is that going to affect the couple? It's going to be good for me. So we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say this thing because I have to get it off my chest. 
um, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep this secret because it'll be better for me. Mm. No, what's, what's better for the relationship? And we don't tend to think about that. So for them, it was about um, remembering that if the thing that you're about to do is good for the relationship, it's going to be good for you. We forget that. We think it's the opposite. You know, it's like, if it's good for me, it'll be good for, for him or her too, or them too. Right. No. Um, if it's good for the relationship, it's good for everybody. Mm -hmm. Does that mean certain things you shouldn't say then? Yeah, like, like, well, I didn't do that. Like, yeah, I'm lonely too, but I didn't cheat. Yes. Right? It's like, yeah, I'm lonely too. That's, that's the moment of connection Period. right there. I'm lonely yeah. too. And what he did in that moment before she made that comment, he reached toward her. He teared up. Yeah. It was beautiful. He like, teared up uh, and he and he moved toward her and he took her hand. And then she says, but I didn't do it. You oh, did. dagger. Right? Right to your heart. Yeah. You're already to, wounded. You're both wounded. Right. And so people put up their swords to protect themselves. And what they don't realize is that they're actually going to make themselves feel lonelier. Right. You keep that sword up you're gonna be very alone. You're gonna feel very disconnected from your partner. That takes a level of what? Just emotional intelligence, awareness, peace. What does that take in order to like not say that final thing or you know try to one up the other person in a relationship? What does that take? Right, well the reason that we do that is because there's what's happening between you and your partner in the moment. You know, he cheated, she's very injured by that. That makes sense. We've talked about it a lot at this point. Um, they'll talk about it more, it will be ongoing. Um, but then there's sort of you know the unfinished business. We have this saying, we marry our unfinished business. Mm -hmm. And what we mean by that is if I see a couple um, you know, show me, tell me how you were loved as a child and I will tell you how you're loved now, mm. right? How you love now. Tell me who, who you love now and I'll tell you who loved you as a child. Really? Is there a way to break that cycle though? Yes, yes. So that's where the awareness comes yes. in. So the unfinished business. So part of it is she had, she grew up in a family where her father was cheating, mm. her mother knew, nobody said anything. Mm. So now, you know, she's got all of that on top of, you know, the crimes of her father, in her mind, are now the crimes of her husband. Oh, man. And, and they're very different people. You know, her husband was a very different person from her father, but she could not separate the two of them. Right, right. What is the, um, what's the reason why people want to know why the other person did something. Like, yeah. you cheated. Why does the, the partner always want to know why? Why did you do this? Was I not doing enough of this? Mm -hmm. What is the reason behind that? And is that beneficial to want to know why the person cheated or lied or manipulated or whatever thing they did? I think why is important, but why is not simple. So I think mm. what they want is a simple why. Like, you know, let me connect the dots. I cheated because of X. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, oh, that makes sense. Right. It doesn't always make sense. <laughs> so, why so, we don't, so, we, so then we can just avoid X and it'll never happen again. Have you ever had the situation where you find out that a friend, like somebody cheated in a friend's relationship and everybody is asking, well, what happened? Why? And the reason they want to know is not so much that they're concerned for their friend, of course they are, but because they want to know, oh, I don't want that to happen in my relationship. Mm. So if I can find out why it happened in your relationship, I can make sure that that doesn't happen in mine. Wow. And I think that when it happens in your own relationship, you think if we can figure out the why, then we can make sure it will never happen again. People want guarantees, but there are no guarantees. No and guarantee. the reasons that people have relationships are very nuanced. 
It's not like, well, my father died and I was feeling dead, so I wanted to feel alive again. Maybe that's part of it, mm -hmm. but there might be other reasons too. Why they have affairs, you mean? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So people always think that if I know why, and by the way, like in that example of him saying, I was really lonely, you know, there was a why, it did not bring relief. Right. You think yeah. it's like, oh, if I solve the mystery, then I'm going to feel like some sense of, of healing, of relief. No, you really have to deal with what's in front of you right now. From all the cases you've uh, experienced, what are the three main causes of cheating or someone having an affair? Well, that's the thing. There are so many, right? So it could really? be something going on in the relationship, like there's a lack of connection, someone's trying to control the other person, mm. someone isn't present enough for the other person, um, they're bringing their own childhood stuff to the relationship, so there's a lot of conflict in the relationship. Um, there's there's too much agreement in the relationship. Too meaning much agreement. Agreement, meaning nobody's talking about what you need to talk about, so everybody's just kind of dealing with all of the things that are not working on their own and saying, I don't want to rock the boat. And so everybody's very smiley, everybody agrees with everybody. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So listen, we all know life is full of yada yada, like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print. And I know you've dealt with yada yada before, like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all. Or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare, but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else. And yes, it is possible to outsmart yada yada, like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is already included, but you don't take yada yada in life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too. Too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But underneath there's a sense of like, oh, I don't really feel like I'm in this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we can't really talk about the things that I want to talk about. Oh. Or the both people generally feel that way. Yeah. And so there's a lot of like, you know, just being too nice. Interesting, okay. So those are the couples who people say, oh, I never saw it coming. 
if I see a couple and they agree on everything and they have no conflict and there's like nothing going on there, I'm like, what are we not talking about mm. here? Not because I'm looking for problems, but because people are not clones of each other. Right. You know, they're going to have differences. Yes. And then there are reasons that people cheat that have literally nothing to do with their partner. The partner could be amazing. The partner is amazing and it's not about the partner. Mm. So I remember I had a couple and she and she was so confused by this. She was so injured by this beyond just the betrayal, but because she said, I gave you everything that you always wanted. I gave you stability. I gave you warmth. I gave you unconditional love. Mm. I gave you joy and fun and I gave you all those things and still you cheated. Why was I not enough? And he said, but you were enough. It wasn't, it wasn't that you weren't enough. It was that I did not know how to deal with enoughness. Wow. Like I have not, I have not dealt with my childhood wounds. Wow. Right? Um, I didn't feel worthy of enough. Wow. And so he had a lot of stuff to work out and it literally had nothing to do with what she was or was not giving him. And she was like, why, why, why? And she was like beating this out of him. And he's like, it's not about you. She could not accept that because it was better for her to feel like I have an answer that makes mm. sense to me, that there's something I can do differently. And that was not the answer. That's why you hear the cliche thing, it's not you, it's me. When someone's like breaking up or when something happens, no one can really accept that because they always think, well, if if you, if you if I was great, you'd still want to be with me. You know, well, it's no, like no, I, no, no. I would say sometimes it is the other person. <laughs> right. And that's just, and that is how they're breaking up, That's right? They just say it that way. They it's just say it that you, way. Yeah. But, what, but, what, but in this case, it was true. He was mm. saying there was nothing that you could have done differently. This was something about me that wow. I'm just seeing now. And by the way, sometimes, and this is the thing that, that betrayed partners have the hardest time accepting, the reason for the affair is I was trying to save the marriage. People think, oh, please. You know, like, wow. don't give me that. Really? Um, but this is what people do. They're trying to save the marriage. So they want, they're trying to get their partner's attention. They're trying mm. to say, they couldn't say it to their partner for whatever reason. Um, because maybe they had tried to, tried to say it to their partner and their partner was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Say what? What were they? You know, like, like I don't have enough of you or we don't have enough connection or I can't bring up things that are uncomfortable in this marriage because every time I do, you try to shut me down. Mm. So they've tried, maybe. Um, and so then they blow it up and they say like, I'm, this is the only way that I can get you to see that there is a problem in our marriage. They sabotage it, yeah. Right, and it's not necessarily conscious. It's like they're doing this thing because they, they didn't know what else to do, but they're not like, I'm gonna have an affair to do that. Sometimes they do it because they say, I really want to keep, there's so much good in this marriage and I really wanna keep it, but there are certain things, needs that I'm not getting met in this marriage and my partner is not listening to me about this. So I'm gonna get those needs met, and I'm not even talking about sexual needs. They're gonna get those needs met somewhere else so that the marriage can stay intact so we don't rock this ah. boat. Because if I bring this up, my partner might leave me. Wow, so it's getting the needs somewhere else because the partner's not giving you what you need in that moment, but you still wanna Or it doesn't wanna hear it. Ah, but yeah. you still wanna stay in the marriage but you need to get your needs met somewhere. If you can't get them met in the marriage, you're like, well, where do I go? Right, and they're not necessarily sexual needs. People think affairs mm. are always about the sex. They're not always about the sex. What could it be about? What other ways? About, I wanna feel alive. Emotional I feel dead. Or... Yeah, I wanna feel, I wanna feel special. I wanna feel understood. This mm. other person listens to me. 
So they, they're still having a sexual interaction, but it's not necessarily about the sex. Sometimes. And by the way, because we don't know how to define affairs. Right. Everybody defines it differently. So it's kind of like people think, when I'm with my partner, because we see the world through a similar lens, we're going to agree on what betrayal means. What does it mean to cheat? What does an affair actually mean? And you'll find that people have wildly different definitions. Like, is, what's the range? Is cheating, is cheating, you have been getting together with your ex, even though it's completely on the up and up. You've been getting together with your ex, but you didn't tell me you were having these lunches with your ex. Mm. That feels like a betrayal to me. I should have known about it, even if nothing's happening. I should have known about it. Mm -hmm. um, that may seem like an affair to some people. It seems like a betrayal. We betrayal. can call it a betrayal. Gotcha. betrayal. Yeah. Um, or someone will say, like, you're having an emotional affair with this person. How do you define that? What does that actually mean? Right. You might have different definitions of that. Like, why can't I have a friend who is, you know, who is not a romantic partner, but you see this person as as threatening, mm -hmm. but this person is not threatening. Right. Um, you do you know, think? Do you think people can have um, opposite sex friends while they're in marriages? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and the but, partner but should the, be. But the but the boundaries, the lines have to be explicit. Mm. Like, what do you and your partner say about what those lines are, so that you'll know when they're crossed? If gotcha. you haven't talked about what those lines are. You don't know when they're crossed that until they're crossed. Until someone says, "Wait a minute, you crossed a line," and the other person says, "I didn't know the line was there. I thought it was over here." Mm, so it could be like, um, it's interesting. I was meeting with someone years ago, who is um, someone older than me in my industry. And I was like, "I'd love to meet you." To like, it was non-romantic at all, mm -hmm. but I was just like, "I'm inspired by what you're creating. I'd love to like have lunch with you or have a coffee." Mm -hmm. And um, I can't remember what she said. She said something like. We just have to make sure it's in public because me and my husband have an agreement if mm. we're meeting someone of the other sex, something like that. But it, was, it wasn't it was that detailed, but she was like, oh, we just need to make sure it's in public. And, you know, I just never do anything one-on-one -on -one privately with anyone. Like, so, and I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, wherever you want to go. And I was like, that's a good boundary, an agreement. It's like. And that, and that works for them. That might not right. work for someone else. Someone else might feel like, well, that's really controlling. Mm -hmm. But you don't know the history of their relationship. Right. And um, and she didn't, by the way, have to say that to you. She could have right. just said, like, let's meet at wherever. Yeah, of course, yeah. Right? Exactly, yeah. Uh, um, you know, so maybe she was just trying to let you know, hey, by the way. <laughs> this isn't anything, yeah. <laughs> whatever, whatever you might be thinking. Yeah, don't be trying anything. So, uh, which I thought was cool. Like, but it is, but it is cool that, that they talked about it. Yes. And, and that's the point, is that yes. people need to talk about things. People assume that their partners think about the world in the same way they do. Mm. And they get into trouble when they realize, wait a minute, you think this. And then they judge the person for thinking something else, like how, and I'm not talking about affairs now, but just anything like, how could you think that? How do you think that way? How do you believe that? As what, if, yeah, then you wouldn't want to have, you wouldn't want to talk about with that person anymore because you feel judged already, right? Right, right. Sorry, what were you gonna say? Is well, if, I what? think that people need to come at each other with curiosity rather than criticism. Mm. Isn't yes. that interesting? Oh, you think that? Tell me more. Just say those three words. Tell me more, or say more. Tell me. I'm curious, I want to understand how you think about this. Not because my way's better. So what if the thing that someone starts telling this, you know, story or fantasy or whatever it is, uh, value system they, they have, and it's completely against what their partner thinks or believes, then what? If they're like, oh, we're in a big conflict here of what you mm -hmm. think and what I think. Yeah, I think it's, it's, I think underneath the sort of content is the process. The process mm -hmm. is what's going on on an emotional level between you. And usually there's some, um, there's some kind of agreement on an emotional level. Like you might think blue and I might think 
green, but actually we both think colors, mm. right? Like there's something that's, that's, there's some point of connection there, but people kind of back into their own corners because again, the, the, the worst thing that you can do to somebody is try to get them to think your way instead of being curious about understanding They're how right. they think. Interesting. You don't have to agree with it, but right. you just have to understand it. Because people want to be understood more than anything else. More than agreed with. Really? Just, I can see why you think that way or why you felt that way. I don't, you know, I don't agree with it, but I can see, I can see that that's how you think about it. I get that. So, understand, but you don't have to agree with someone. You don't have to agree. Okay. I like that. Those are two different things, understanding them and agreeing with them. It's kind of like if your kid comes home from school and says like, you know, that teacher was terrible. They, they marked me off for not turning in my homework. You might agree with the teacher. Yeah, okay. They but, should mark you off for not turning in your homework. But I understand where you're coming from. But I understand that you're really upset about mm -hmm. this. I get why you're upset. Mm -hmm. I get that it feels bad to be marked off for something. And maybe, you know, maybe we can talk about like what's going on for you and why you didn't turn it in. Let's right. talk about that. Underneath it. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, how many of the, the married couples that come in, how many percentage-wise would you say there's some type of affair or cheating that happens with the couples that come to you? Or just in therapy, do you think? What's yeah. like the percentages? Yeah. It's really interesting that you ask that because when I think about all the betrayals that happen in couples, you know, betrayals of like, you gave me the silent treatment when I needed you, or I was sick and you had a toothache, you know, <laughs> it's like, or, um, and you didn't call me, mm -hmm. or, you know, like all the betrayals that just happen yeah. in, on a daily basis. Um, the betrayal that really gets people is, you know, this idea of cheating. Why that is it really that? cuts to the core in a way that the other people can be awful to another person. Like you can scream at someone and say horrible things, which I think is just psychological, you know, just uh, betrayal right trauma. there. Yeah, it's it's like trauma. Trauma. It's trauma. It yeah. really is. Yeah. Yeah. It's like holding someone hostage to your emotions. Mm. Um, you know, you're, you're really like, it, it's a real assault. It's an emotional assault. I think, yeah, I and, think it's horrible. And but. then, you know, oh, but but wait a minute, you had lunch with this coworker. Oh my God, can you believe? And then you tell all your friends, he was having lunch with her, he right? He betrayed me, yeah, yeah. But then you don't say to your friend, like, you wouldn't believe the way, what he called me or what he said to me when he screamed at me in that moment, right? It's really interesting to mm -hmm. see, you know, what affects us on this deep core level. And I think it's because we have this idea in, in modern society that our partners are supposed to be everything to us. And there's this little bubble of the two of us and it's the two of us against the world. Like it used to be you'd have community for some of your needs, you mm. had friends, you had family, you had all these different things. And now it's like, this is the person. If the person strays in some way, then I am threatened in this way because I don't have the safety of us anymore. Mm -hmm. Even though the, the other thing is, is arguably just as bad. Just as bad. Yeah. If someone screams at you and allows their emotions to take over and puts it on the person they say they love the most, mm -hmm. for me, it's just, like you said, psychological war. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, the psychological things are harder to get out of than someone like punching me in the face. I don't know. I mean, physical abuse is not good either. But for me, it's like the psychological messes with your emotions. Right. Well, what's so confusing about it is that people are not always that way. 
Right. So, so it's once in a month he does this or she yells this way, you know. Right, right. So it's kind of like, you know, but look at all the look at all the good things. Look at all the other things. And so it's it's hard for people to reconcile. Mm-hmm. Um, you see this with narcissistic people a lot. And yes. I, I don't like to use diagnostic terms very much because I think the behavior is more important than the, the diagnosis. Um, but when we look at narcissistic traits, for example, um, we all know people who have been with someone mm-hmm. who is incredibly charming, mm-hmm. incredibly confident, incredibly into you um, in this way that makes you feel like you are the center of the universe. You're the center of this person's universe. And then they do something so callous. Like what? So, I mean, you know, something that they just, they lack empathy yeah. um, in yeah. a moment when um, you know, like your your mother died and they didn't show up for you in the way that you would expect. Right. Um, or even just something on a daily basis, you know, just something where like their needs were so much more important than yours. Um, we had on, on the Dear Therapist podcast, we just did an episode called, um, I think it was like Audrey's narcissistic ex-husband. And again, we don't, we haven't met him, so we cannot mm-hmm. give him a diagnosis. Um, and I don't even know that he, you know, fits a diagnosis. But her perception in the marriage was just that his needs came above hers, but she said, I was addicted to his approval. His approval meant mm-hmm. everything to me. The fact that he could have had anybody and he chose me. Mm. So we all get sort of swayed by those people. It's very easy to get swayed by those people. Some people figure it out before they get into a relationship with them that, oh, wait a minute, you know, this feels really good for a moment, but this isn't what I want to live with. This isn't my vision. This isn't, yeah. Right, right. But other people, you know, it takes them a long time to kind of figure it out. Um, And so for her, she was so damaged by it. Then they they got divorced and Mm -hmm. he was about to get remarried. And it's been seven years since they got divorced and she's still so damaged by it because she never processed it. She never understood her own role in it. Why was she with him? Hmm. So I think it's easy to blame the the person who's, you know, narcissistic. You chose to be in a relationship and stay in the relationship at the same time. Well, well, what what was the draw for you? You know, what is that pattern? Um, And usually it's it's people who have their own issues with intimacy. Um, You know, it's it's a narcissist is a great partner for someone who and I say great partner meaning, you know, it's that's how who they're going to (laughs) choose. It's not a fun it's not a fun relationship. Uh, but it's a great partner for somebody who really is afraid of getting too close because the narcissist will never let you get too close to him. Never or her. fully open up vulnerably. They and... will never let you get there because they are so ashamed. Their main thing is they're covering their shame. Mm. What would you say is the main traits of a narcissist? Um, grandiosity, uh, really um, wanting to be the center of attention this veneer of confidence, being very easily wounded. Um, Oh, wait a minute, you complimented this other person's whatever it is. They get so wounded, like, well, why didn't you compliment mine? Right? Wow, yeah. Um, Oh, you think that person's attractive? They'll, like, ice you out. Wow. So super jealous, too, or no? Very, very. Very But they act like they don't care. Oh, you want to do Go ahead. I don't care. Like passive-aggressive jealous or something, right? Yeah. Very passive-aggressive. Yeah. Huh. Any other signs that people should look out for if they're like starting to date someone? They're like, huh, this seems very narcissistic. I think that Jekyll and Hyde quality that, you know, one minute you're like this and the next minute you're incredibly cruel. You can be incredibly warm and loving and incredibly cruel. And the two, you toggle between the two in a way that is frightening. It's like a split personality, huh? Yeah, yeah. 
But it's not because the narcissist is doing the thing. You reel them in. The narcissist reels the person in with the charm, with the charm, with the seduction, with the, you are the center of the universe. And then, uh oh, you're, you're getting too everything. close to me. Uh. So I'm going to be cruel. So it's interesting. So it's like if you're with someone who's showing these traits and they're just wowing you and they're so nice and loving and grandiose. Uh, but then if you truly open up and you want to get to know their heart, that's mm -hmm. when they start to do other things or what happens then? Yeah, yeah. If you and get too see, close, be, if, if you get, get too, too close intimate. to them, right, either you're being too intimate with them, mm. although they, they want you to be somewhat intimate with them so they know how to use it against you. Right. right? Tell so me your deepest, darkest secrets you, right? that I can use it against then you I later. Then I will use it against you in, in the moment Man. when you are most vulnerable. Wow. Um, or they don't, want, they don't want you to know too much about them. Right? They hide certain they, they, things. Well, they, they, they hide their vulnerabilities. They, they don't know how to get authentically close to another person. Why does someone become a narcissist? Oh, that's... <laughs> you know, I, I think so many people, anybody who's had experience with someone like that wants uh -huh. to know that. And, and you'll see that, you know, this is, this is when we talk about we marry our unfinished business, mm -hmm. right? So it's, it's the person who um, grew up feeling very... Um, they didn't get their needs met. They didn't mm. get, you know, they, they were either neglected um, or they were, or they grew up with a narcissistic parent. So what do we do with parents who don't meet our needs? On the one hand, we rebel against them. We say, I'm not going to be like that. I'm not going to choose someone like that. So the narcissist doesn't choose another narcissist. If the narcissist grew up with a narcissistic parent, they don't choose another narcissist. They choose someone like the other parent who was with the narcissistic parent. And then what they do is they take on the traits of the narcissistic parent. Now, why do they do that? Even though they were so injured by that kind of parent, it's like it's like the person who grew up with an alcoholic parent, why, or or a person who like couldn't self-regulate. Why do they become the angry yeller? Even though their parent was the angry yeller, and they said, "I would never do that." Mm -hmm. How do you get close to a parent who couldn't get close to you? You become like them. That's your connection to them. Wow. This is completely outside of your awareness. You don't realize that. But we still, the wish never dies mm. that we can be close to our parents. Wow. The wish never dies. So what do we do if we don't process this? So if we process it, then if we... If we process it, then we know, okay, I have to watch out for that. Mm. I have to find another way to grieve what mm. I didn't get growing up. I have mm. to really go through that grief process. And I'm going to have that, that, that loss is going to live with me, but it's going to live with me in a way that isn't so sharp. Uh-huh. So you really have to grieve it. Yes. But if you don't grieve it, you repeat it. You take on okay? the trait of one of your parents or something. You take on their traits because that helps you feel close to them. Mm. Oh, I'm going to feel close to you in this way. This is not in your conscious awareness. Wow. And then people don't realize it. They think, oh my gosh, one day someone says to them, you are exactly like your mom, your dad. And they go, oh my God, I am. Right. If they're not, if they, if they, if they can get past sort of like the narcissistic protection. Yeah, of course. Which um, would be if they what? Can hear it. I'm not like my parents. And... No, I'm not like them at all. I'm not like, I'm not like them at all. Like yeah. if you could take a videotape of a scene from your childhood and you take a videotape of how you're acting now with your own child, Ooh. you would be stunned. Wow. So how does someone, if they're okay, they've realized they're maybe there's narcissistic traits or that's a full on narcissist that they're in a relationship with. Mm -hmm. What are the next steps they should take? Is there a way to actually, I mean, you can't really change someone in a relationship when I'm no. hearing you say, you <laughs> yeah. can't, no matter what you do, the person's not gonna change, right. right? Range Rover Sport leads by example. Picture this, 
assertive on-road performance meets commanding all-terrain capability. That's the third-generation Range Rover Sport, which is the most desirable, advanced, and dynamically capable one yet. This vehicle redefines sporting luxury, offering an instinctive drive with engaging on-road dynamics and effortless composure. Now available in sleek, new Stealth Pack, Carpathian gray exterior wrapped in satin protective film with black accents and black brake calipers. Inside the Range Rover Sport, advanced cabin technologies like active noise cancellation and cabin air purification offer new levels of comfort and refinement. And let's not forget about the award-winning Pivi Pro infotainment system. Enjoy a dynamic drive and total comfort with optional 22-way adjustable heated and ventilated electric memory front seats with massage function. Wow, that's like a spa day while on the go. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. I don't know about you, but when around 3 p.m. hits, I find myself craving the right refreshment to get me through that mid-afternoon slump. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea is full-flavored sweet tea, but without the sugar and the calories. It might take several bottles for you to believe that a delicious sweet tea can really have zero sugar and zero calories. But you know what they say, life is full of surprises. Or in this case, full of flavor. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea. Try it to believe it. For 20% off your next 12 pack head to amazon and use promo code 20 pure leaf that's promo code 20 p-u-r-e-l-e-a-f for 20 percent off so do you need to change in order for them to change or is it just if you're with someone who's diagnosed narcissist there's no hope for actually healthy growth in the relationship well someone who has narcissistic traits generally doesn't come to therapy because they don't think they have a problem right they're like no i'm good right so how they come in is they're having some relational (laughs) difficulty right and the relational difficulty is either they're coming in for couples therapy because the other person dragged them there yeah um you know so often we say that you know the reason that people come to therapy is to deal with the people who won't go to therapy right so <laughs> you know you're coming to therapy it's to deal with the funny. person in your life who won't come to therapy it's funny that yeah the three previous relationships i was in i was like we need therapy we need to like we're mm-hmm. getting to the point where i was like something's not working here let's go to therapy and like try to work this through none of my partners wanted to go to therapy they resisted 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 and i was like what we were not figuring it out on our own mm-hmm. Like, I'm trying, you're trying, it's not working, let's go, let's have someone look at, no, it's like so much resistance. I was right. just like. Right, and so in that in that case. Not saying you're all narcissists, but there's no, definitely No, 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 so some... I'm not even talking about, so so I, I, well, let me differentiate. So there's, if, you know, a narcissistic person, meaning diagnosed narcissistic, mm-hmm. um, or, or even people with narcissistic traits, they tend not to come on their own to therapy unless they actually agree to come in couples and they're coming because their partner is making them come. Yes, that's the only reason. Um, or, and, and then you kind of see like how flexible are they with their story, mm-hmm. right? Because everybody's coming in with their story, both people. Both their people perspective, need to be, yeah. Right. Um, the other reason, like in maybe you should talk to someone, John, right? When I talk about him, he's this guy who's in his 40s, he's married, he has some kids and he is incredibly insulting to me from the minute you know, he walks in the door, um, everybody else is the problem. You know, in fact, the, the chapter is called Idiots because he says everybody else is an idiot, right? Why can't people, why aren't people as smart as he is? Why aren't people as competent wow. as he is? Why can't people do things right? Why does he, and he's like the the, the beleaguered victim. 
No, um, right. You see that sometimes, I'm right? I'm so talented and smart. I'm the victim because no I'm one the victim else... of, of all these other people are causing Ignorant so people. much anxiety in my life. Like, why are they doing things the way that they should be done? Why are they, yeah. why are they complaining about all these things? Not realizing that he's the one doing the complaining. Complain about every day, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Um, you know, we call it complaining from the victim position. Mm. Um, you know, or being being the offend offend being offended by from the victim position. Sure, you know, sure. everybody else is the problem, um, or or the reason that people are are cruel to another person is they say you know like like I was the victim so I can hurt you twice as much. Ooh, yeah. So if if you hurt me, I have a right to hurt you. Back. No. Right. 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 I'm doing this to protect myself. Right. No. Um, so, so when John came in, he was, you know, he, you know, you very much say a lot of people would say, I don't want to treat somebody like that because they don't know how much progress they're going to make because if they they're can't so self-reflect, yeah. well, you have to be able to see yourself. What, mm -hmm. you know, and in the book, I talk about the difference between idiot compassion and wise compassion. So idiot compassion is what we do with our friends. So your friends say like, listen to what my partner did or my mom or my, you know, my kid or my sibling or whatever it is. And we say, yeah, that's terrible. You're right. How dare they? You know, right. you're right. They're wrong. It's, it's just, we, we just back them up blindly because we think we're being supportive. But if you actually listen to your friends over time, you might hear that there's a pattern that they are kind of complaining about similar types of things. It's kind of like if a fight breaks out and everybody you're going to, maybe it's you. We don't say that <laughs> right, in any right, compassion. Yeah. So in, in therapy, what we offer <laughs> is we offer wise compassion. Mm -hmm. And in wise compassion, we hold up a mirror to you mm. to help you to see yourself in ways that maybe you haven't been willing or able to do. And compassion is the key word here because we're doing it compassionately. So someone who comes in and they're not able to self-reflect, they're not able to see their reflection in the mirror and say, yes, oh, I have a role in this too. Yes, it's true the other person does this, but I have a role in this too. So when you are asking about change, when people come in for couples therapy, I always give them an assignment before they come in. And the assignment is this, because normally the first thing that'll happen if I don't is they're going to come in and they're going to name all the ways that their partner needs to change. And then we get nowhere. So I say to them, I want you to come up with how you can make this relationship better. I want you to come up with what you're going to do. What are you going to be working on to make this relationship better? Even if your partner never changes and they each have this assignment. So from day one, they come in and even though they, they might have a lot of reasons that, you know, things aren't working out that they think are, are their, their partner's issue. Um, their goal in therapy is to work on the one thing or the two things or the three things that they think they can do to make the relationship better. And it changes the whole course of the couples therapy because it's not about changing the other person. The magic of this is that they say, well, what's the point of doing it if they're not going to change? Well, first of all, again, going from the me and the, and the you to the us is things are going to go more smoothly because you're going to be doing something to improve the relationship. Mm -hmm. But the other part of it is, and where the magic comes in is, you can't change another person, but you can influence change mm, in another person. Absolutely. So when you do something differently, you are helping the other person to change. Mm. No one changes because you say, I want you to change in this way. That doesn't really happen. They might do it, you know, they might pay lip service to it. It doesn't really last. But if you start changing, if you make it easier, you help them to change by making it easier for them to change. So let's say they really need space. Give them some space. Let's say, you know, you try to control them less. Let's say that you don't engage in the same familiar argument over and over and over. Um, you, maybe you do something kind for them. 
And then people say about that, they say, well, why should I do something kind? Why should I go first? If they would be nice to me, mm-hmm. I'll be nice to them. Mm. It doesn't matter. You need to go first because someone needs to do something. Someone, needs, someone to. needs to change the dynamic. It's like a dance. And so if you do something nice for them, you might notice that they, not because it's a tit for tat, not because they're doing it because you, it's because they feel safer. They, they feel more loving toward you. Yeah. They feel like, oh, that was really nice. I really liked that. Now I actually want to, on my own volition, want to do something nice for you. Yeah. And what if, what if someone says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna improve all, you know, three, five, ten areas mm-hmm. that I know can improve. And after six months, the other person's like, yeah, I deserve all these things, and I'm not gonna give anymore. Then what? If you mm-hmm. keep coming back, have you seen that where people come back yeah. to Debra? It's like, okay, I've done this, I did this, I did this, and they're still not happy, they're still upset, and they're still not mm-hmm. shifting in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Well, what? first of all, I think that what they engage in then is what I call the pain Olympics, which is like, <laughs> whose pain is greater? Yeah. You know, like, I'm working so hard, I'm working 12 hour days, well, I'm taking care of the kids, or I'm doing this, or, you know, like, I'm doing all of this kind of labor in the relationship, and you're doing all of this. It's, there's no, there's no winning the pain Olympics. Like, let's just say that you're both at a 10, okay? You both win. You both are in pain. <laughs> you both lose. Like you yeah, both, both but, but, but you both lose if you keep trying to compare it. Yeah. The point is, you're both, you're both struggling. And, and what's really interesting about couples is that couples don't tend to tell the other person exactly how they're struggling in a relationship. Instead, they act it out. They act out their fears or their disappointment or hmm. their hurt in other ways, but they don't directly say, this is how I'm struggling. And so if you're in mm. couples therapy, you're gonna start talking about those things. And if you're, you, you know, if you're not, then, then you're not really doing couples therapy. Right. So, you know, I mean, I think that your therapist will tell you very early on, like, this is the work that we're doing and this is, I think some people think that couples therapy is you come in, you download the, the argument of the week or the struggle of the week, you leave, you come back the next week and you download the new thing. No, that, that's, that's like talking to a friend. There's no point to that. What, what, should, what should the point of therapy be? The, the, point, therapy? the point is, to, is to that you want to be doing, the, most of the therapy of couples therapy takes place outside of the therapy room, meaning what happens in between sessions. So we came in, we talked about this, you learn something new about yourself, you learn something new about your partner, and then we always say insight is the booby prize of therapy, that mm. you can have all the insight in the world, but if you don't make changes out in the world between sessions, the insight is useless. Mm -hmm. So then, okay, you have this insight, you learn something, what are you going to do with that knowledge? Use it. Like, why are you wasting your time and your money coming in here every week if you're not gonna use it? What's been the thing that you've seen as a therapist um, where you realized, oh, this is something that I have done in my relationships, or, oh, actually, this is a really great lesson for me because I used to do that and I don't wanna do that anymore, or Mm -hmm. something like that. Has there been anything? I would say all of it. Really? I mean, I think that that's what makes relationships so interesting and people think that it's only happening to them. Mm-hmm. They're like, you only do this. You know, it's, it's really interesting that they you're think, the they feel like, like you're the only one, don't do this. nobody yeah. does this, their partners don't do this, right. or, or, or I only act this crazy around you. Oh right? Like, I don't, I don't do this. Nobody else elicits this kind of response in me. Well, of course they don't elicit that kind of response in you because you're not in an intimate relationship with them. They're not bringing up all that unconscious stuff yeah. that comes up when you're in that intimate relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that the good news for couples is that anything they bring in, I've seen it before. Right. I've experienced probably some of it before. 
Um, you know, and, and so universal. And if people could stop, be so, you know, people can blame and shame. Um, you know, they blame the other person. They feel shame themselves. And then they don't really make progress because they're afraid to really look mm -hmm. at these things because they're really uncomfortable talking about them. Right. But when they find that, oh, this is just the human condition. And this is what happens when we get scared. This is what happens when we feel threatened. And maybe it's not even your partner who's threatening, but it's something about being this close to someone. Or there's something your partner does that reminds your nervous system of something that happened earlier. In the past. Like, who am I talking to right now? Am I talking to the child who had to come up with a way to protect mm. yourself from whatever was happening? And it was very effective. It was ingenious as a child because mm. you had to. You didn't have agency. Or am I talking to the adult who has agency and doesn't need to use that way of protecting yourself that is actually creating some conflict in your relationship? Which everything goes back to healing. Yes. And like if we want to create a thriving, healthy relationship within the human condition, which is going to have some, you know, bumps along the way, it sounds like we, we need to constantly going back to healing. If there's something within me that's stressed, where can I heal? Is that what I'm hearing you say? And, and the thing is that, that we expect our partners to do that healing for us. The person who's going to heal us is ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that is, goes against everything we believe about love. And when I said at the beginning of our conversation that love can wound but also love can heal, what I mean is that if you can heal yourself in the context of a loving relationship, Right, not the other person healed me. Right, the other person didn't heal me, but I was healing myself and the other person Ooh. was there Ooh. as I was doing it and the other person was healing themselves as well. And, and what happens mm. is you learn how to heal yourself because you have the safe environment in which to do it. If you have an environment that's not safe, you're not gonna feel safe enough to do the work that you need to do to heal yourself. Wow. So what does a safe environment look for another partner to feel I'm safe? Mm -hmm. Uh, and I can process the things I need to process in a healthy manner. That your partner can handle the truth of who you are. Ooh. All the messiness of all you, of all the stuff in your as past. You're, as long as you're kind. All right. That your partner can handle the truth of who you are, that you can show up, you can be authentic, they're not going to judge you, they're not going to use it against you and say, ah, yeah, see, that thing that you told me like three months ago, that's why you're doing this thing oh, right now. Man. No. <laughs> Never do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't use it against them. Wow. Um, you know, you're just like your mother. Don't do that. That's the worst thing probably. Right, right. It's like I'm showing up here and I need you to show up here. And how can we show up for each other? What does that look like? Mm. Can you handle the truth of who the other person is? And so what does that require? Requires emotional regulation. Mm -hmm. This is the best thing you can do, by the way, as a parent for your child, emotional regulation that can you regulate? We did on the Dear Therapist podcast, we had someone on who was like, I just, I can't, when my children have big feelings, I can't handle their feelings. Right. And, and when my husband, and I can't deal with this with my husband, right? And so it was like, how do you handle, how do you regulate yourself emotionally? How do we learn to do that? That's a skill. That it is a skill. It's a masterful skill. Especially if your parents did not know how to regulate no. themselves emotionally. If people are screaming and reacting or there passive aggressive chaos. and yeah, slamming up doors. Right. Or the opposite, where there was just they couldn't regulate it all, so they numbed out. They didn't so you got at nothing. All. Yeah. Right. They didn't there was say just, they love you. They had no, yeah. There was no kind of warmth or affection or even talking about feelings like you had a bad day at school, but you knew I don't I my parents are not gonna know how to talk about that with me. They're gonna uh, or they're gonna try to talk me out of my feelings. You're fine. It's you're okay. You're fine. Like, oh don't be sad. Hey, let's go get some yogurt. 
Yeah. <laughs> let's go get some ice cream. When our partner comes to us at the end of the day, let's say, or in the middle of the day, they call us and they say, I'm feeling emotionally overwhelmed. I'm feeling like betrayed with my friendship. My parents did this and my work. Like, uh, they're just feeling like I'm emotionally a wreck. What can the partner do in that moment to make them feel in a safe space and feel like it's okay to express it without also having them be like, Okay, they're gonna do this every day. You know, it's like because <laughs> right, that's right. not good either. If they're always gonna be an emotional like mm-hmm. avalanche uh, mm-hmm. on your partner daily, you yeah. know what I mean? It's like yeah. how do you create that balance? Right. I think that you need to learn how to listen, and mm. you need to learn how your partner wants to be listened to. And people don't bother to ask, and so we assume that the person wants in that moment what we would want if we had that exact same problem that day. So when your partner comes to you and they say, oh my gosh, you have to hear what happened today, you might say to them, what, how can I help right now? Do you want to just vent right now? Do you want to hug? Do you want me to help problem solve with you? What would be helpful right now? Mm-hmm. And they might say, right now, I just want to tell you what happened. And I don't want to hear what you think about it. I don't want to hear, I don't want to problem solve. I just want you to hear it. I just, I just, want, I just want to vent right now. And then they might say, but like tomorrow, I might want your ideas. Opinions, yeah. Right? I might want to talk about this with you. That's such a challenging thing for someone. When someone comes to them with like Mm -hmm. a problem or a challenge, it's, I think it's so hard for someone to have the self-awareness to say, how do you want me to listen to you right now? And how can I help right now? Right, right. How do I I help right now? What can I do? I feel like it's so hard for, maybe I'm speaking for myself and for, you know, men in relationships that I've talked to, it's hard for them to be like, okay, you're overwhelmed. How can I listen? Yeah, it's like there's right a now. fire. I've got to put it out. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's challenging. It's, it's, I think. Can you can you emotionally regulate yourself? Yes. Because just like with the parent and the child, if you are emotionally regulated, if your child comes home and says, "Oh, this the thing happened," and "Oh my gosh," and you're like, "Oh my gosh," oh no, let's call the school, let's call the teacher. No, right? So it's it's more like, oh, let's talk about it. It's almost like both parties learning emotional re- emotional regulation for each other. It's well, like without dumping on someone. How do I regulate and, and heal or process and then communicate, ah, I'm going through something challenging. We always say one person, there can only be one person going crazy at a time. Right. No, really. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like, like someone, like it's like a seesaw, right? You can't like someone, like one person has to be the adult. Only one person can go crazy at a time. So if one person is going to regress and kind of go into that childhood place or they're really dysregulated, whatever it is, the other person has to stay emotionally regulated. You mm. can't get dysregulated by your partner. You have to be regulated in that moment for your partner. And emotional regulation or learning that skill, what I'm hearing you say goes back to healing first, right? It's like learning to process whatever trauma, challenges, pains, hurts that has happened in your life, whether it be recent or in the past, processing, grieving, healing, forgiving, that journey, which my therapist says healing is not an event, it's a journey. It's not like it doesn't happen one time, it's like a journey. it seems like it's something we should be working on consistently, is that right? Right, and working on healing yourself. And so when your partner comes to you and you feel really just activated by what they're coming at you with, um, you kind of have to take some breaths and you have to take care of yourself then mm. in a way that you weren't taken care of before. If you're getting really triggered by it, it's probably because you had that experience with your parents and nobody was there for you. You didn't know what to do in those moments. Yeah, or you didn't have a boundary or something. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. And so to be able to say, okay, how can I stay grounded right now? Mm-hmm. 
what do we do as a couple right now so that we both are able to have this conversation? Yeah. Should people get into relationships without healing first? So people always think that this is a really interesting question because people always say, you have to be whole and then you can get into a relationship. I think that it's not, again, not that your partner is going to heal you, but we start to heal when we are able to learn more about ourselves. And you don't learn a lot about yourself in a vacuum. Mm. Okay, we are most revealed in an intimate relationship. <laughs> that is where we are most revealed. Yes. You know, and if you, by the way, if you think, oh, my friends know me really well, you know, this other person knows me really well, this person I've known since kindergarten knows me really well, they don't know you in the way your partner knows you. Intimately like They're that, not yeah. going to see you in the same way. And so, so when, when, somebody, <laughs> when somebody can really see you in that way and love you, and be there for you and be imperfect mm -hmm. and not be all good or all bad. You know, when you say to your partner, like, you're always this. Well, no, there's, you're sometimes that, but you're not always that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when you paint somebody becomes, you know, you get roles in a relationship, like you're the irresponsible one. Mm. You know, you're the one who overreacts. Well, no, um, sometimes you're right. I was late for pickup. You know, you're right. But let's not make, let do kitchen sink fighting, which is like, let's name all the times that, that not only was I late, but that I let you down in these other ways, right? If you can deal with that one incident, that person will probably say, you're right. I needed to leave earlier. I didn't account for traffic. Next time I'm going to do it better. As opposed to, oh my gosh, this avalanche is coming at me. I don't even hear this person anymore. I don't even hear what they're saying. Right. It's because then you're just shut down. Yeah. If you're being made wrong over and over again. Right. It's hard to really like pay attention and focus just like a wall and when someone says to the to their partner like you're too sensitive you know you're so sensitive the response there is yes i'm sensitive and you know that when you want the best you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead like when you're trying to buy tickets for the best seat at your favorite team's big game or when you're hiring for your business and you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. With ZipRecruiter, you can find qualified candidates fast. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com greatness. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I believe finding the right team member is one of the most important steps in setting up my company for success. We like to ensure our new hires will be a good fit before they're even on the team. So I am grateful that I have ZipRecruiter's help when we want to grow the team fast. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And I've learned the hard way that constantly holding on to your emotions and repeatedly choosing to not talk about your feelings will only make you feel worse and worse. And up until about 10 or 11 years ago, I was afraid to talk about my trauma that I experienced. And I know we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. But therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. 
try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to fit your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Lewis today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash L-E-W-I-S. And so why wouldn't you want to take my sensitivity into account? I see it as a strength mm. that I feel things. Mm -hmm. I feel a lot of things. Yes. And I use those feelings. And yes. I know that maybe my boundary has been crossed or this doesn't feel good to me. And so if you know that I have these sensitivities, why wouldn't you take those into account? Right, right. Let's say we've gone through a breakup and you're like, man, I feel wounded from this previous relationship where there was a lot of hurts and pains mm -hmm. that just you know, didn't feel good. What would be the process that you would recommend for someone while they're single to really grieve, heal, forgive, process in order to set themselves up to being the best person they can be when they're in that next relationship? Well, first of all, you've used the word forgiveness a little bit, so I just wanna talk about okay. that for a second. So I think there's this idea that if we forgive someone that we will be set free in uh -huh. some way. And I don't think that's always the case. We have this expression, forced forgiveness, mm. which is like, you know, you don't actually forgive the person, whether it's a parent or an ex or, you know, someone who really wounded you. You don't have to forgive them. And I think with parents, it's easy to say, I can have compassion for them now as an adult because I see what their life was like, or I see what their struggles were. I see that they had mental health issues or whatever it is, or I see how hard their upbringing was, but I don't necessarily forgive what they took from the me action, in my childhood mm. or how they treated me. So you're saying it's sometimes it's good not to forgive. It's okay I, not I'm, to I'm saying I'm saying if you truly forgive that person, great. But that's not necessarily the goal. It doesn't make you less of a person. It doesn't make you less evolved because you can have compassion but not forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And the same yeah. with an ex. If someone really hurt you, maybe you can have compassion for the woundedness in them that made them treat you in that way but you don't necessarily have to forgive them. In fact, I think that can do more damage than good when you tell yourself that you forgive someone when you actually don't. That forced forgiveness can be a trap and yeah. it can leave you in a stuck position for much longer than you would be if you just acknowledge that I don't actually forgive them. I can see that they were wounded. I'm not going to put myself in that position. I'm going to choose a different kind of partner next time. Right, I'm not gonna, I don't need to beat myself up or hold a grudge anymore but I don't want to forgive. Is there a way to like not hurt yourself and still not forgive? Well, why am I, why is so much of my emotional real estate going in that direction? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like we only have so much emotional real estate. How much right. time are you thinking about thinking of this other person? We had this again, I keep talking about the podcast because these are such common issues that on the Dear Therapist podcast, we had this, this woman come on and she was spending so much emotional real estate on this person who, this person who had treated her badly. And, and, and we were like, you are spending so much time on this that you are not even available for another person right now. You are not available. You won't even think about people who are, who are, it's kind of like I use this analogy, the dry well, that there are people who they keep going back to the dry well. They know there's no water there. Mm. They know that there's like an emotional void there and they keep going back every day expecting that there's going to be water there. 
Just thinking about it or trying like, to talk to them? Yeah, or... like thinking like, I'm going to keep trying to get this. Like this time, you're going to be emotionally, the person has never been emotionally there for you in What's, the way that you want. What should they do? Just move on then? So or? it's like, go where the water is. Mm -hmm. Go to a different well. And they don't, they're so focused on, but I want water from that well. <laughs> I want it from this particular well. A drill, uh, dry the dry out. well. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like you're never going to get water. That well is dry. Go where the water is. Psychologically, why do we fixate on that sometimes? Because they, they had a dry well somewhere in their lives. And they think, I'm going to now, we call this repetition compulsion. Freud called it repetition compulsion, and I'm not all on board with Freud. But, but there are certain things that, that he wrote about that actually do play out that I see all the time. And one of them is we say, this time, I'm going to choose a partner mm. who is exactly like that person who didn't meet my needs. We don't do that consciously. Right? They, in fact, they look very different. We think, aha, I won because I chose someone very different. But then when you get into a relationship with them, you see oh, they're also not emotionally available or they also have an anger issue or they also are withholding or whatever it is. And so then we say unconsciously, but this time I'm going to win. This time I'm going, I couldn't get my parent to do it, but I'm going to get them because sometimes they can be so loving and kind and all of these other things. So this time I'm going to get them to do that. Yeah. But you won't. Again, we don't change another person. You can only change yourself. In that case, the change might be, I'm going to go where the water is. Mm, I'm going to choose differently. I'm going to go where the water is. And, and I'm going to look at why I don't go where the water is. Because so many times people don't see that they are literally surrounded by water. But they don't take it. They won't drink it. To them, it's almost like water is the water is the poison, even though the poison is the dry well. Why is that? Because they don't know that it's safe. They've never experienced. Mm. It feels so foreign to them. It's like it's like it's kind of like you are in this war zone, and we're <laughs> going to fly life. you right yeah. your, your whole life, and we're going to fly you into a safe territory, <laughs> and you land in the safe territory, but you've never been in a safe territory before. So they speak a different language, and right. and they drive on the other side of the street, and they have different customs, and and they wear different clothes, and you're like, this feels really uncomfortable because. I've never been in a place like this, even though it's really warm and safe. It's so funny and the you people say this. are really nice there. Yes. But you're like, I don't know. All I know is the familiar. This is why people don't change because they say, I would rather be in something that is familiar to me because at least I know it than to go in this situation where I don't know the customs and the language and I don't know yeah. how to be around people who are kind to me. I don't know what how to be in those situations. This is so relevant to me right now because my, my girlfriend, uh, we started dating, and uh, within the first couple of months, I go, this is really weird. This is really weird. It's, and I go, I don't know what it is. It just, something feels weird. There's nothing wrong. It just feels weird because it's so healthy. I go, it's so healthy that I just never experienced this. And it's so foreign, but I know this is so much healthier than anything I've ever experienced. And I'm like, I just need to communicate. And I was telling my therapist, I was like, I don't know what it is. It's just so healthy. It just feels good. It feels good, <laughs> it feels but then good, you don't trust like, it. You don't just trust like, it. But it's just, it's just different. Mm -hmm. It's just like this is, it's just blow, it's just weird to the mind. Right, and you and you have to get used to you it too. Get used to it, like, wait, there's peace. Mm -hmm. Wait a minute, mm -hmm. <laughs> there's not bombs going off everywhere. Like, okay, yeah, there's peace. I'm not going to get exploded on. You know, it's like it's sound it. It's like a process of like learning how to adapt to a healthy environment. Right. At least and, it has been for me. Yeah, and for people who grew up that way, that is what they seek, and that feels good to them. And right. when someone isn't good to them, they get out of that very They're quickly. They're aware of it. 
Right. Where, where and they say, they say, so the way you feel in a healthy relationship is how they feel in an unhealthy relationship. Right. They feel like really on edge and yeah. they're not going to stick around. The, the goal here for you is to say, wait a minute, this is actually safe. Yeah, don't sabotage and it. To, and to yeah. not let your fear. <laughs> blow it up. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's weird. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just really weird. There's a word, cherophobia which means fear of joy. So oh, chero means fear and phobia. Of, I'm sorry, sorry, chero means joy and wow. phobia means fear. And people who grew up in those environments that didn't feel safe often struggle with cherophobia because when they feel joy, they don't trust it. Like maybe sometimes their parents were there for them and then, oh, my depressed mom would go back into her room again and you know I couldn't trust it. Like mm. it felt so good to have a mom but then she's gone again, right? So then when they grow up and then they meet someone who's there and really available to them, they think, uh-oh, the other shoe's gonna drop. Eventually they're gonna do something. Right, I cannot trust this peace, this healthiness, this joy. So what does someone do when they're in that situation where it's like, wow, there's a healthy environment, but maybe they're in a previous relationship where it felt healthy for six months or a year and then mm -hmm. something switches in the relationship and it's not healthy, but you stick to whatever pattern you had before. What should they do in that, speaking to myself, what mm -hmm. should I do, <laughs> you know, or someone right. like me, when they're in a healthy environment, when they've got an amazing partner? Mm -hmm. That's when you have to realize that the war is over. Oh my gosh. So, you know, you're not in the war zone, the war is over, and it's like PTSD. It is. It really is. It and is. so you have to look around and you have to ground yourself. Man. You can put your feet on the floor, you can breathe. You kind of have to orient yourself to your environment and say, hey, it's peacetime. The war is oh over my gosh. Yeah. And, and not conflate your past with the present. So people are time traveling what they're doing in that moment. They're saying, wait a minute, you know, like I, I but I'm in the war. I've got to be hypervigilant. No, you're actually, otherwise you're safe. Gonna, otherwise you're I'm going to yell that or exploded on or whatever. I'm going to step on a bomb. Yeah. 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 And, and also the first time something happens in those relationships, like a healthy relationship doesn't mean that there's no conflict or that you don't disagree or whatever it is. It's that it's going to be handled really differently. It's, mm -hmm. hey, let's talk hey, about It's all this. good. Let's figure it like, out. It's okay. It's not, again, yeah. rupture and repair. How do we repair? And so it's not like, oh, there's a rupture. That's the end of our relationship. Mm -hmm. It's there's a rupture and we're going to have lots of them in the course of our relationship. So let's learn. Let's see how we repair things together. Let's see how we work as a team. Yeah, that's powerful. What would you say, uh, if someone's getting into a relationship, a new relationship, when would they know, what would the signs be that this is uh, the environment of a really great match for both of you? What would that environment look like or those things happening look like or feel like? It depends who you are. So if you're someone, again, who grew up with you know what we call secure attachment, then um, what looks good to you is what you saw growing up that you guys, mm -hmm. you know, you might have disagreements, but there's a, there's a lot of goodwill. You know, there's that, the Gottmans, who are these marital researchers, they always said you need, you know, we, we talk about the goodwill bank, that you need to put five deposits into the goodwill bank for every one withdrawal that mm -hmm. you make. So, you know, do you have that five to one ratio? Are there like five positive interactions between the two of you for every sort of difficult interaction? Because sure, if it's the two five difficult and one positive, the relationship's not going to work. It's, 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 well, again, it's not going to work. But if you grew up again with, with this other kind of modeling, um, secure then attachment or insecure attachment, insecure, in, insecure attachment, attachment. Secure attachment is what you want. You right? want secure attachment, right? Insecure attachment is, is you grew up, you grew up with, you know, different, there are different 
versions of it. Um, you got too much of something, not enough of the other thing, whatever it is. But in, but in a way that was exaggerated, in a way gotcha. that it really affected you. So, you know, we talk about the good enough parent, like no parent is perfect. Right. Um, so it's more about being the good enough parent. That's secure attachment. But if there was, you know, like a, a constancy to the enmeshment or the, or the withdrawal or the neglect or the chaos or the anger or whatever it was, um, or the, you know, the parent who was really inconsistent, mm-hmm. um, which is really confusing for kids. Like one minute the parent is like this, the next minute the parent is like that. So they're more insecure attachment. Right, right. And then, so then if you're in that relationship, that might feel normal to you as an adult. Was that healthy? No, of course not. I mean, <laughs> so when do you know you have a healthy match? Mm-hmm. What, what does that look like? Right. So, so you know, it, it's it's. I think you have to you have to say like, what is the what is the quality of of this relationship on a daily basis? Mm-hmm. What does it look like on a daily basis? And sometimes it helps people to keep a journal. We had this woman on the podcast. She was in this relationship, and it was really, really dysfunctional. And Guy and I were like, you know, it was so apparent, and, and I think to the listeners too, and Guy and I were saying to her, listen, you keep justifying his behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, you keep saying, oh, but then he's also like this. So, you know, there was no reality checking. We said, we want you to actually keep a journal. Every day we want you to write down like, what is going, what's, what are the deposits yeah. in the bank? What Gosh. are the withdrawals from the bank? And she kept the journal and it was very eye-opening for her. of all the things, yeah. Right, because it was kind of like, you know, you can, you can justify anything in your head, but when it's all there on the page, you start, is this the kind of relationship that I want? Mm. And then you have to do the work of why, why am I attracted to why, this? Why am I in this? Why do I stay? Yeah, why do you think people stay in something like that where they, they have pages and pages daily of things that like are around neglect and you know frustration as opposed to an environment quality of peace and abundance. You have to remember too that, that change doesn't happen just because you have an insight. Yeah. So, you know, if it did, it would be so I'm easy. I'm isn't good for me, but I'm not going to change, though, yeah. Um, well, people, you know, it's like this is why New Year's resolutions don't work, too, because, you know, it's not like you just, the Nike thing, like just do it. Um, change goes through this process. So you, there's, a, there's actually a chapter, and maybe you should talk to someone, called How Humans Change. Mm. And it starts with um, pre-contemplation, where you don't even know that you're thinking about making a change. Like, maybe I'm going to leave this relationship someday. You don't even know you're thinking that. That's right. pre-contemplation. Contemplation right. is you're thinking about it, but you're not ready to do it. Uh-huh. Um, then there's the um, preparation stage. And in preparation, you're actually thinking about, what would that look like? Let me look at apartments. Let me think about, So it's a you know, process. It's, it's not a like process. A, I have an idea and I'm leaving tomorrow. But here's the thing about the stages of change. So, so there's, there's the preparation. Then there's action where you make the change. Like you actually leave. Yes. That's not where it ends. Maintenance really? is the next phase. Because you might want to go back. Right, right. It's that 3 a.m. of a soul, right? Oh, where you're man. like, oh, I'm so lonely. And oh, he's texting me and, you know, whatever. Um, maintenance is how do you maintain the change? And the big misconception people have about maintenance is that you make the change and you're going to maintain it. And if you slip up, like, you know, you, you give in at 3 a.m. and you're like, oh, yeah, no. You're I'm lonely go and you miss, yeah. And, or, or, you know, like, oh, you know, I'm going to eat healthy. And then, oh, no, you didn't eat healthy for one day. Oh, I failed. No. Built into the maintenance phase is that you're going to slip back. That's human. And you have to have so much self-compassion in the maintenance phase. And people think, oh, if I have self-compassion, then I'm not holding myself accountable. That's not true because nobody has ever succeeded at something through self-flagellation, at least in the long term. 
Self-flagellation is where you're like, you know, oh, you're so terrible, you're awful. Think if your kid came home and was like, oh, I really, you know, I did really badly on that test. And you said, that's terrible, that's awful. You know, like, are they gonna do better on the next test? You're gonna say, oh, let's see what didn't work. Let's see what you didn't understand. It's okay, let's see what you can do. Maybe you need to study differently or let's see what happened. Mm -hmm. Um, If you slip back, which you will, you have to be really kind to yourself and say, okay, let me let me try to check in with myself. What happened? Oh, my mother called and that triggered me. Or, oh, I'm really worried about this thing about work and, you know, and, and I was feeling insecure. Or I'm just really lonely and I didn't have a better coping strategy for being lonely. So next time when I'm lonely at 3 a.m., I'm going to do this instead. Yeah. Right? And you're really kind to yourself. And then the next time you do it differently. Wow. <sighs> Okay, so more quality, the, the, the quality on a daily basis, that's really like the main thing I'm hearing you say of like, this could be a potentially healthy match. If the daily quality is solid, is good, is positive, is inspiring, right? Is there anything else to look for if like, this could be a great match? Same, and, same and, values. And, well, yeah, I mean, you, you, people, people think, you know, just because we're really, we really have fun together and we're really attracted to each other, that it's all going to work out when one person wants kids and the other person doesn't, or one person wants this lifestyle and the other person doesn't. Yes. Um, or this person's values are different from mine, as you said. Um, you know, and, and I think at the end, it really comes down to the character qualities. So many times people ignore the basic character qualities about a potential partner. Like, is this person responsible? Do they do what they say when they say they're gonna do it? Um, Can I trust them? And I don't just mean trust in terms of what we were talking about earlier with affairs. I'm talking about, can I trust that they have my back? Mm -hmm. Can I trust that that, they're going to um, show up for me in the way that they say they will? Are they reliable? Um, generosity, and I'm talking about emotional generosity. Can they be emotionally generous in the moment with me? Mm. And the number one quality, by the way, when, when you look at studies of what um, what will predict whether a couple, whether somebody is a good partner in a, in a couple, is how flexible is this person? Flexibility, right? Flexibility, yeah. Flexibility. Around what? Around, Around everything. Just can you be mm. flexible instead of like, my way is the right way? And that doesn't mean, by the way, that like you give up your sense of self, that you agree with everything the other person says. It's, can you see another point of view? Mm-hmm. Can you entertain another point of view? Be open to it. Can you be open? Are you open? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Is your partner flexible? Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and it inspired you on your journey towards greatness. Make sure to check out the show notes in the description for a full rundown of today's show with all the important links. And also make sure to share this with a friend and subscribe over on Apple Podcasts as well. I really love hearing feedback from you guys, so share a review over on Apple and let me know what part of this episode resonated with you the most. And if no one's told you lately, I want to remind you that you are loved, you are worthy, and you are matter. And now it's time to go out there and do something great.